Hey, welcome back to Crimes and Closets. This is Christy in my closet in St. Louis. And this is Beth in my closet in North Carolina. Happy, Happy Monday. Monday. <laughs> <laughs> the Monday after Thanksgiving. Yes. Gosh, man. All the food. I don't, I mean. I Hope we huh? all fit into our pants this morning. I know, right? I can't. I can't. I'm just going to have to, I'm going to have to run like every day, five miles. Do it. now. <laughs> You're not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Tis the no, season, people. Who cares? You're beautiful. Just yeah. the way you are. And now this is also when I'll start making Christmas cookies and just always have them around. Dude, one of the things I miss the most is how you used to make this giant Christmas haul of candy and <laughs> cookies and all this stuff. And now you live so far away that I can't eat it, which is probably best, but sad. I know. That's my favorite. I don't even like sweets. You know me. I mean, you don't yeah. really either. But no. for some reason, Christmas cookies, I make all the things that I love sweet-wise, which isn't a lot, but I make all of those things. And it's just my favorite thing to do. <laughs> so have you ever heard of bourbon balls? Uh, no. Oh my gosh, really? Okay, so it's this holiday tradition in Wes's family that mm-hmm. his aunt makes bourbon balls and it is, they're just, I don't know what they are exactly. It's like bourbon <laughs> and convection mm-hmm. sugar and brown sugar. And I don't even know. And it's mm-hmm. their little teeny balls and they literally taste like bourbon. Like it's huh. a very strong flavor of bourbon, but they're delicious. They're so juicy and just like cake balls almost without the icing. And she gets everyone together and she just puts a bunch of like parchment paper over her big giant island and everyone brings their own bottle of bourbon and drinks the bourbon and makes bourbon balls. And then they make like dozens of tins of them and mail them out to everybody. Oh, Isn't that so fun? Not with her family, with her friends. She does this. Like her and her girlfriends get together and do this. But the bourbon balls are delicious because we always get a tin of them. Mm -hmm, And every mm -hmm. single year I say, I'm going to do something like that. Mm, You should. And they're good. They're really good. They really are good. You should make them and and send me some. I know. Exactly. That's a great gift too. Because like you've never even heard of them. Nope. And I'll try them. <laughs> They're good. You'll like them. It's, I don't like bourbon at all. But the bourbon balls I don't are either. good. Yeah. Because of sugar. Okay. <laughs> and butter. You're, you're talking. <laughs> sugar and butter. Yes, they make all things good. Yes. <laughs> um, as you were sitting there talking, I was just thinking, man, I should like get a group of ladies together, like my bachelor ladies. And be like, hey, you want to come over and everyone bring a cookie recipe and we make a bunch of cookies one night and then just like share them or make them them. in advance. Or if you make them in advance and then just come and everyone makes tins of everyone's cookies. So you have like a plethora of cookies. I think it's a variety together. (laughs) But anyway, I agree. I mean, I don't like baking at all, but. Well, I don't either, but I would do it sitting there with a glass of wine, like. BSing whatever it was, a bunch of ladies. <laughs> well, there you go. What are you, your all's Christmas baking traditions? Holler yeah, back. Now that, 
Now that we passed Thanksgiving, we can say, hey, give us your Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Be fun. Maybe we'll maybe we'll adopt one or more. Yeah. True. True. I like hearing Because anything's do. better than the dang elves. So give us <laughs> some more. Oh, <laughs> they're coming. Mercy. Sorry they to put a coming. damper on your day, but they're coming. Mm -hmm. Um, and great news and super exciting news. We have some Patreons that we would like to shout out. We've got some new closet sisters in the house. So we want to give a big thank you to Irish S and Alex A. Thank you for joining our closet and we yes. appreciate you. Welcome guys. Thank you. Welcome in. Yes. We have so much fun over there. I just so happened to, we just recorded a very sad December Patreon. So that is coming. Mm. <laughs> it's a Christmas, Christmas, uh, massacre. Don't you want to say what did, was miracle coming out of your mouth? <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> because when I think like it's a Christmas I and I just want to say murder, but it's kind of okay. different than that. So I said massacre. So, <laughs> okay. Gotcha. Anyway. Yes. Join and listen. And there's like, I don't know, what, 12 other episodes on there? I don't know. <laughs> well, there's like, no, there's more than that. There's 20 some yeah, episodes over there. Right. But I was thinking like more of the like crime cases. Oh, yeah. You know, because mm -hmm. we do one, we do one like silly, sometimes product stuff, what we're watching, blah, blah, blah. And then we do one crime one a month. So, yeah. yeah. We didn't anyway. do a what we're watching this month. No, we did not. Because I am only watching Yellowstone. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's true. Stop. Very true. Very really, true. really good. <laughs> Agree. Emery and I just finished watching last night. Like We did too watch it last night. We, must, we were watching together. We didn't even know. Aww. Yeah. Oh, how nice. <laughs> we probably both knew that we were watching shows with our husbands because we weren't texting. So. <laughs> that is so true. Yeah. <laughs> funny. Funny. We're all synced oh, up. Oh, gosh. Anyways. Well, do you have okay. anything else? No. No, I don't either. I, I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. Um, yeah, same. Yeah. So, but... I guess we do have a surprise for you. So I guess we should just kind of get into this episode. Let's get into it. Okay. Okay. So guys, we're going to do a little bit something special today, a little different episode because Beth and I both had a couple stories that we wanted to cover and get out there. However, there's just not enough to make it a full episode. So we are joining efforts today and yes. we're going to both tell you a story on this episode. We're joining forces. That's what our joint effort, that's what our joint, <laughs> the name of our session yes. is called today, joint effort. So you'll have yeah. two cases and you'll hear from both of us. Isn't that exciting? It is. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Hold on a second. I need to do this. You are going to hear from both of us today. <laughs> okay. Okay. Sorry, I've been dying to use that. <laughs> felt like felt like the only appropriate time to possibly do that. <laughs> Cutie. <laughs> anyway, sorry. 
<laughs> Sorry, it I is fun. Run that That's past a lot you of fun, actually. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now all right. In all here seriousness, we go. Let's. I'm going to get into my case first, and then Beth will tell hers. So, okay, okay. <sighs> Be prepared because the story I'm about to tell you—it's just truly sad, all around. Their um, mental health plays a huge part in this story. Oh, no. and yeah. So I just and I just felt like it was a story that needed to be told. So there's your trigger warning too. If intense stories of mental health are tough for you, then this might not be the right case for you, and you may want to fast forward to Beth's case, unless she has a trigger warning for that one too, which I'm sure she'll tell us. So, okay, this is the tragic story of Edward and Sean Fitzgerald. Our friend Trina over on Facebook, she sent us a Facebook message and suggested this case to us, I think over the summer sometime. Okay. Thank you, Trina. Thank you, Trina. Her boyfriend played roller hockey with Sean um, back in the day. And, but apparently when they, like Sean got married and had kids, he quit the team and they all just kind of like fell out of touch and whatever. So he did not, was not in touch with him at the time of this crime, kind of heard about it through word of mouth and news stories. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And actually, um, Trina and I, when we were writing, she was saying that she couldn't believe it took him so many years to tell her this story, knowing how much into true crime she was. She was like, what the heck? Why didn't he tell me this so long ago? But Oh. Okay. So Edward Fitzgerald was born in Massachusetts and he went to Tufts University in Boston. He earned his medical degree in 1970 and he was in the Air Force Medical Corps in Colorado Springs. I mean, I'm sure he was in multiple places, but I know that he was in Colorado Springs at some point. Okay. He married his wife, Kim, and they welcomed their first child, Sean, into their family while still in Colorado on April 25th, 1972. Soon after that, they moved to Rochester, Minnesota, so that Ed could do his medical residency at the Mayo Clinic there. You've heard of the Mayo Clinic, right? I feel like that's like a yeah. <laughs> kind of place. Yeah, I may have heard of that. <laughs> Sean attended preschool and kindergarten in Minnesota, and then the family welcomed two more children into the, into their family. I don't know if they were in Minnesota or it was after they moved because like that kind of timeline stuff isn't very clear and not really spelled out. But I know that he has two younger siblings, Allison and Ross. And at some point, well, in 1978, they moved back to Colorado Springs. So somehow in okay. all that time, they had two kids. Moved, and this is why moved. these are smaller cases is because there's not a lot of info. I just wanted to remind people. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because I okay. say that a lot so, in mine too. Oh, okay. I don't know. I don't know that part. I don't know why. (laughs) So this is, yeah, you got, you're getting what you're getting this time. Okay. So Ed became a prominent orthopedic surgeon specializing in ankles and feet. Edward was described by all people as being kind hearted and generous. And over the years in Colorado, he would volunteer his services at a clinic. I don't know what clinic, but a clinic is his medical services. And he would also wash dishes at the local soup kitchen. Wow. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Lovely man. As his children grew up and grew their own families, Sean had kind was kind of like a wanderer and moved around to different places. Ross moved away to Texas, but Allison stayed close by. As far as I know, I know that she did at some point, whether that was all the time, I don't know, but 
She was close by, and Ed was known to be seen playing baseball with his grandson in their neighborhood. And then, lo and behold, he don't have like the whole neighborhood of kids playing baseball with him. So he seemed like a super great granddad. Yeah. Okay. So now we need to talk about Sean for a little bit, since this is the case of the story of Sean and Edward. As I mentioned earlier, he started school in Minnesota, and when they moved to Colorado, he switched schools and ended up attending a program called HATS. And that's um, a program, it's called HATS because it's for highly academically talented students. So basically a gifted program. For high school, he attended Colorado Rocky Mountain School, which was a boarding school in Carbondale, Colorado. He basically lived on this ranch and all the students, like they took all their coursework there and the students worked the ranch. So, you know, they farmed it. They took care of animals, whatever. Doesn't it sound fun? That's best, best high school life. That is so fun. Yeah. So he also became extremely good at telemark skiing, which do you know what that is? Because I did not. (laughs) Never heard of it ever. It's like competition. Like, I don't know if it's in the Olympics, but I know they do have competitions for this. It's where you're squatting and when you and going downhill. So it's like speed skating, but you have to make, they call them telemark turns, which this, it was named after where I think it was from telemark Norway. So it's named for the town that it started in, I think. Um, but you have to like lunge and hold your body weight on just one leg to make those turns. Okay. Yes. So, I have seen it. Just did not yes. know that that's what it was called. Yeah, me either. So he basically perfects his skills in this somehow, which is super impressive because I can't even stand up with two feet on skis. So you know, yeah. I can't imagine <laughs> going fast on one. Um, anyway, so after high school, he decided he wanted to delay going to college for a year So because he really wanted to see the world. And so he worked for a season at the Slopes, saved some money to make this dream a reality. And in March of 1991... He took off on an eight-month trek around the world. He started by going to Vermont, where he competed in the world's telemark competition, where he placed top 10, which is super impressive. From there, he flew to Finland to visit a friend he made in high school. He then traveled by train through Europe, going to France, Italy, and Germany. He then flew to Tokyo, Japan, where he tutored English as a second language for several months. So he's getting quite the worldly tour and taking in all of the things over these eight months. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. He went back to Colorado and he went to the University of Colorado in Boulder, where initially, before he had taken this time off, he had wanted to study filmmaking. But after this trip, he decided that he wanted to change his major to Japanese lit. And he graduated with honors in December of 1995. I don't know what you would do with Japanese lit. It seems very interesting. Write Japanese books. But yeah, I don't know. Unless you're going to become like a professor in college or something of that nature. But I don't know what else you would do with that. Okay. Well, so he does go on to the University of Pennsylvania to get his master's. And he went there as a teaching fellow. And there he met Atsuko Yuido or Ido, I don't want to say it, but she was there studying abroad from Japan. Okay. And actually they say that, um, they call her Allison, but I just like the name. Okay. So much more. So 
I call her that they have in this story. Very pretty names. It is. So the two of them marry, get married in 1998. And in the meantime, Sean also completes his master's and PhD. So super smart, super driven, mm-hmm. has his wife. They then move to Eugene, Oregon, where Atsuko had gotten a position at the University of Oregon, and they live there for the next five years. And during that time, they welcome a son into their family in April of 2001, and they name him Kieran. Okay. It's a really cool name. That is. I know someone named Kieran. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like it. I had to look up how to say it, but (laughs) anyway. Sean is a proud stay-at-home father during this time. So Atsuko is working, and he's staying at home. The family then moves to Colorado for another position that Atsuko gets at the University of Denver. And Sean continues to be stay-at-home dad, taking care of all of Kieran's needs, getting him involved in sports, handling school, all that. In January of 2008, Atsuko again gets another position with a nonprofit medical clinic in northern Thailand, and the the family packs up and moves over to Thailand. Wow, that's a big old move. It is a big move. I was going to say, this is like kind of sounding like my life. Oh, get another job, move, get another job, move. (laughs) But never to Thailand. I will say that. Yeah. (laughs) Not yet. (laughs) You never know. No, no, (laughs) don't even, not, no, not ever. Got it. I'm done with that. Okay. So in early November of 2008, Sean was riding a bike and ends up colliding with a truck. The details of the accident. Yeah. They're unclear, but he does have big or huge, severe head trauma. So they fly him to a hospital in Bangkok to treat him for that head injury because he ends up having a concussion and several broken vertebrae. Yikes. Yeah. Not good. Atsuko said that after this accident, he kind of seemed to be in his own world and there were reports of his mental state kind of deteriorating, even from the hospital. So Mm -hmm. Ed and Kim, his parents decide, all right, Ed, you should go, go to Bangkok, pick him up and bring him back home so he can fully heal here. And we know that Hmm. he is like the best of everything here. So that's what Ed does. When Ed... Within days. I don't know exactly when, but it's within days of this happening. When Ed and Sean Mm. are on the plane coming home, Sean told his dad that all of the people on the plane were CIA agents and that they were all following him. Okay. Yeah. He's um, having, you know, kind of delusions about things around him. And there were speculations that these kinds of things were kind of happening before the accident too. Yeah, I was going to say, that seems like a bit of a jump, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, there's some, there's some speculation, but I wasn't really able to kind of verify, so I don't know. I don't know what, but it does seem like maybe that is a possibility. On November 19th, Kim and Ed took Sean to a neurologist as they were concerned about his mental state after this concussion because they said that he was being very paranoid and he had suicidal thoughts. When they took him to this doctor, Sean was convinced that the doctor was a fake and that the entire office was like a setup. Hmm. So when he's telling his dad this in the, in the office, the doctor informed Ed and Kim that it would take at least six months for Sean to recover fully from this head trauma and just that they needed to be patient. And the, he prescribed him Ambien to help him sleep and Lexapro for his depression. 
Okay. That night, that same night, Ed and Sean sat talking for a really long time. And Ed even mentioned to Kim that he thought, well, he actually sounds a little bit better tonight. You know, he kind of had talks to him about how, talks with him about how, well, what you're thinking about that isn't really real and whatnot. And, you know, you, you, it's just not happening. And so he felt like Sean was kind of receptive to it at the time. And, but anyways, so they end up going to bed. Kim gives Sean an Ambien and one Lexapro and they, he goes to bed and then they walk down the hall to their bedroom. Very early in the morning on November 20th, around 2 a.m., Sean walked into his parents' bedroom. It woke his mother up and he, and she was looking at him and he was walking straight over to his father's side of the bed and he had a knife in his hand. He climbed into, onto his father and Kim was yelling at him to stop and trying to push him off. But Sean proceeded to stab his father once in the chest and once in the abdomen and I think she was able to push him off at some point and he just walks out of the bedroom. <clears throat> Kim calls police immediately. They arrive to find Ed in bed and he had already passed. Sean surrendered himself to the police, informing them, I did it. I killed my own father in front of my mother. When he was being questioned by homicide detectives, he stated, I was convinced he was Satan. I have never had those thoughts before. So almost seems like, well, clearly he had some sort of break and now he's a little Mm -hmm. bit more coherent. Like he knows what he did and he knows Mm -hmm. what he was thinking when he did it. He was arrested for the murder of his father and the DA filed first and second degree murder charges against Sean. And in March of 2009, a judge ordered him to stand trial and Sean's attorney immediately entered a plea of not guilty by the reason of insanity because he was saying that he was so mentally imbalanced, he doesn't even understand the legal proceedings against him and can't assist him in his defense. He's like, you can't even help me in any way. Right. Right. So they ordered a mental evaluation. His case moved pretty slowly, but in September of 2009, there was a half-day non-jury trial. Several medical okay. experts testified that, and they differed slightly on the description of his Ill- illness, but they all agreed that he was delusional at the time of the murder. A forensic psychiatrist even suggested that he may have veered into the truck that he had had an accident with in Thailand. We don't know because the details are unclear, but based on, I guess, his evaluation, he felt like that was a possibility that he had actually done it on purpose. The judge ruled that Sean was unable to tell right from wrong the night of the murder, and he was found not guilty by reason of insanity, and he was placed in the custody of the State Hospital of Pueblo in Colorado. So Mm -hmm. many families attended the trial in support of Sean, including mom, Um, brother, sister, they had said that their father had taught them to love and forgive. And in order to honor his memory, they wanted to show Sean love and forgiveness and be sure that Sean got the help that he needed to recover because that's what Ed was intending to do. Like he went and got him from Bangkok to get him the help that he needed. So they wanted to honor him by seeing that through. Sean spent several years in the hospital, but then it was determined that he could go out and live on his own, but while staying underneath hospital supervision, which apparently, I mean, this is the, like the whole purpose of not guilty by 
um, reason of insanity is that you hopefully rehabilitate them to the point where they can then rejoin society. Like they didn't know what they were doing when they committed this crime. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of, yeah, what his sister had like had done an interview with, um, an, for an article. And that's what she had said. She's like, that's the point. So we want to make sure that that's what he's actually getting to. Clearly, if it doesn't happen, then they don't want to force that issue. But anyway, so he is able to live on his own. He has his own, own apartment and even started his own small business called Local Reach Marketing, which he did web design and helped small businesses grow their online presence. I will say, if you look that up, don't click the link to the <laughs> to the, his business page because it goes to like a Japanese porn site, just so you know, a little FYI. Uh, well, uh, yeah. okay. Got it. Yeah. Like, well, cause it's not in use anymore and I don't know why it does that, oh. but that's what it did for me. So <laughs> I was like, whoa, no. <laughs> like, click off, click don't off. leave that on your computer. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so, okay. Although Atsuko and Sean had divorced over the years, Sean maintained a relationship with Kieran and Kieran and Atsuko had moved to Japan and Kieran would travel back to Colorado in the summers and for some Christmases. He spent as much time as he was allowed to with his dad. So it's good that he was able to maintain a relationship with his son. Um, Sean was a proud father and would often brag about all of Kieran's achievements, including the fact that he had just graduated from a, uh, a, the American school in Japan in 2019. Sean spent 10 years trying to forgive himself for what he had done to his father when he was not the most stable mentally. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. on June 3rd, 2019, he completed suicide. Oh. So that's the story of that Sean is and Ed, sad. which is just extremely sad all around because clearly this was a, a, a psychotic break that he had and he performed this awful action, killing his father, and then kind of, from what I could tell, rehabilitated to a certain point, but probably was not fully there. And maybe, I, I mean, ultimately, I would imagine just couldn't live with the guilt of what he had done, even though mm-hmm. he wasn't, you know, able to control that. Anyway. Right. So there, there you have the story of Sean. That is sad. Mental illness is real and it has a lot of victims. Mm -hmm. It does. I mean, that whole family was really victimized by mental illness. We need to do better. Yeah. Just Mm -hmm. as a society, recognize it, get help Mm -hmm. before these breaking points happens. I realize sometimes it is unavoidable, but a lot of times it's not. So that's sad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Do you have anything else you want to add about your case? Mm, nope. Thanks for bringing it to my attention, Trina. And glad that yeah, we could thank you, Trina. Get it going. So I am too. I am very glad that we're able to get these lesser known mm-hmm. cases out because the fact that there is no research means another podcast is going to come across it or it be recommended, and they're not going to be able to get it out either for the same reason. So. We keep them in the back. If, if we write you back and say there's not enough information for a full episode, we're not throwing it out. Mm-hmm. I have had yeah. this case. Actually, it was recommended a year ago 
when I went back, it was like a full oh. year ago that it was recommended. It was October of 2021. And I started researching it and realized that there just wasn't enough for a full episode. But I kept it. I kept my research. And I'm glad that I did because here we go. Awesome. This is a listener. I know, right? It's a listener suggestion from our friend Tiffany. Tiffany, you will remember, is the one that was the first to call our listeners closet sisters. Yes. Yes, Tiffany. <laughs> so we remember Tiffany very, very well and appreciate her. And she gets a nod every time we say closet sisters. She also suggested <laughs> the Sarah Lynn Paulson case that you covered. Oh, okay. 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 So that case happened in Indiana and it happened in Portage, Indiana. And this case takes place really close by there in just a nearby town. So Tiffany lives in that like area in Indiana, like, so it's like a portage, mm -hmm. um, union. There's like all this little bu bubble of towns that are all very small. And she lives within that. Oh, and this okay, is the cool. case of, yes, it's the, do you know, what is it they call people from Indiana? Hoosiers? Is that how you say Hoosiers. It? Yeah. Hoosiers. Mm -hmm. Hoosiers. Yeah. Why do they call them that? Uh, I don't know. I know there's a basketball team that the Hoosiers. So <laughs> yeah. I have no idea. I just don't know that there's any other state that it's like, if you live in this state, you are known as. Something. Oh, yeah. Like, true. what would it be yeah. for North Carolina? If you live in North Carolina, you are known as what? Rednecks? I don't know. <laughs> tobacco. <laughs> tobacco heads. <laughs> I yeah. Know. <laughs> I don't know. It's a Interesting. Okay. This you is know, the hold case on, sorry. of um, <laughs> the, the actual no. definition of Hoosier is a native or inhabitant of Indiana. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> if you are a resident of Indiana, you are a Hoosier. Yes. Very, very interesting. It is. Okay. okay. Here we go. We're talking about a Hoosier today and her name is Amanda Bach. Okay. Amanda Alexandra Bach was born on July 7th, 1992. This makes her a cancer. Amanda grew up in Portage, Indiana, which I know you know because you've been there before, but it's in the northern part of Indiana. Mm -hmm. Amanda was born to parents Bill and Sandra Bach, and she had one sister named Sarah. Amanda enjoyed running, basketball, hiking, and going to the beach. She was cute as a daggone button. She had long hair, really pretty brown eyes, and she is described as vibrant with an incredible smile. Amanda graduated from Portage High School in May of 2011 and was working as a hostess at Quaker Steak and Lube. <laughs> I haven't heard of okay. that in a long time. <laughs> what? You know what? The, I had to look it up because I was like, Quaker State and Lube. I'm like, can you get a steak and an oil change at the same time? <laughs> get it, Midwest. That is some like efficient. <laughs> like, sign me up. Steak and a tire rotation. I'm here for that. Okay, that's not what it is. <laughs> mm -mm. 
Do you want to tell them what it is? <laughs> I mean, the only way I can describe it, and maybe I'm remembering it wrong, it's kind of like a steak and shake. Like it's just this like yeah. diner-ish kind of place. It's yeah. like an old-timey diner, but it is made to look like a like repair shop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like an auto repair shop, but it's just food. They have the best wings in the USA, according to the sun. Okay. Oh, okay. so but I did think that was funny. I was like, steak and lube. I'm going to have to Google that. <laughs> okay. So at the time of our case in 2011, Amanda was 19 years old and she lived at home with her parents in Portage. And she had recently broken up with her boyfriend, whose name was Dustin McGowan. Okay. So okay. I'm going to talk to you about Dustin for a minute. So Dustin lived in a nearby town named Wheeler, Indiana. And Tiffany was telling me, because I was real confused about this. So Wheeler is like super tiny, like don't sneeze when you drive through it because you'll miss it kind of thing. And it's like an unincorporated thing, township. Mm -hmm. And it's in Union Township, which is where Tiffany lives. Okay. okay. So he lived there in Wheeler, which is really Union Township. His parents had... um no, he lived with his parents there and he had gone to a high school close by to where Amanda went and graduated around the same time. His father was a local police officer and Dustin and Amanda had dated on and off for about two years. So like the last two years of high school on and off back and forth kind of relationship. But at this time they were no longer together. I don't know why they were not together. I don't know what happened. Again, that's why these cases are shorter is there's just not, there's holes. Mm -hmm. So they were not dating at this time. It was reported that Amanda may have had a crush on one of Dustin's friends and that Dustin did not like that. So even though they weren't together, she may have been moving on. I mean, she's 19 years old in a small town. You're mm -hmm. probably going to know the other people that, you know, your girlfriend or boyfriend moves on to, but. Anyway. Well, okay. I mean, in general, so, even when it's not a small town, if you're in high school, more than likely mm -hmm. you're going to know the next person that right. you know, you're dating. So anyway. Right. You run in the same circles. It is what it is. Mm -hmm. On Thursday, September 15th of 2011, at around 10 p.m., Amanda left her home and said that she was going to see Dustin. Okay, again, Amanda and Dustin were on again, off again, all the time for two years. And so even though they were broken up at this time, her going to see him wasn't that odd. Because they would mm -hmm. do that. They would break up, and then they would start talking again, and then they would get back together. So it wasn't odd, even though they were not together. But okay. Amanda missed her 1 a.m. curfew. And so her parents got worried, and they immediately reported her missing. So, of course, police early that morning went to question Dustin because Amanda was supposed to have been with him that night. But he was out of town on a trip to Indiana University, which is about three and a half hours away in Bloomington, mm -hmm. Indiana. So this trip was planned. He was supposed to go up for the weekend and meet up with some friends that lived on campus there. And he had already left and was up there. Police did ask if their property and home could be searched. Like, well, you know, Amanda was supposed to be here. Can we just look? But Dustin's dad, whose name was Elliot McGowan, who, remember, was the police officer in mm -hmm. town, he refused to let them. He was like, no, you cannot come on my property. 
So it, it is, yes. Exactly what happens next is not super clear. Again, there's a lot of missing information. I'll tell you why I think the information is not out there later, but this is what we know. So the following day, which is Friday the 16th, so she goes, she doesn't come home Thursday night for her curfew. So the next day at 3.30, her car was found abandoned at a general store in Wheeler Mm -hmm. near Dustin's home. But Amanda was nowhere. So there's doesn't look like there's foul play. No one broke into the car. There's no blood, no signs of a scuffle, nothing like that. Just her car was left. Her cell phone wasn't in it. None of that. Mm. So search parties were sent out all around Wheeler and the surrounding area where her car was found. And on Saturday, September 17th, so two days after she went missing, volunteers found the body of Amanda. Her body was found in a wooded area near railroad tracks in Wheeler, this tiny little unincorporated town. It was 300 yards from Dustin's home. Oh. Which is is not far. Amanda's Mm -mm. cause of death was a gunshot wound to the throat. The throat? I know. That took me aback, too. Yeah, that's just a very strange location to shoot somebody. I I agree. Very strange. Mm -hmm. It is reported that she did die instantly and that she didn't really have any other injuries. Okay. So Amanda Bach, 19 years old, been murdered. Neighbors of the McGowans, so Dustin's family, reported hearing voices outside of their home around one or two in the morning. One neighbor claimed that she heard a female voice saying, I can't believe this is happening. And then a male voice repeatedly saying, Amanda, get up. Huh? It is not said anywhere if anyone heard a gunshot. If they heard it, it's not reported. So, of course, now Dustin is being looked at as their prime suspect. So they do end up searching their home, but they find nothing. No gun was found near Amanda's body, so there's no murder weapon that they know of. Police also called law enforcement in Bloomington, Indiana, so the college where Dustin was at, and they sent their law enforcement out to apprehend him on the campus. And he was very cooperative. He came with the police, and he was brought back to the Wheeler area where he lived. He was charged with Amanda's murder. Mm. Dustin pleaded not guilty. He said, I have nothing to do with this. I am innocent. Dustin went on trial in February of 2013. The prosecution alleged that Dustin was jealous and that he and Amanda had met up that night and fought and that he had taken his father's gun and shot Amanda once in the throat, maybe in the heat of the moment, kind of like a crime of passion. They were fighting, escalated. He got mad. He shot her, but they don't know. The gun used was never recovered, but they did have a bullet that they found in Amanda's body that was linked back to a gun that his father owned. But his father 
couldn't find the gun. Hmm. Okay. So it would indicate that maybe Dustin had taken it and discarded it somewhere. They did have cell phone pings of Dustin's that showed that he and Amanda were at his place at the same time, around the time that they think that she would have been killed. And then they also had like vague cell phone pings that may have put him in the vicinity of where her car was left. But like, okay, it's but a if big it w- radius and it's a tiny little township. Right. That's what I was going to say. It, wouldn't it be, you know, possible that he could have pinged there because he just happened to be somewhere close by <laughs> to that general. Yes. St- wasn't it a general? Th- yeah. Yes. 100%. Okay. Yes. It's very mm-hmm. circumstantial. Dustin claimed that Amanda did come over that night, but that she had left and that he did not know what happened to her after that. So, and then they had these witnesses too, the neighbors saying that they saw, heard voices and all that stuff. However, Mm -hmm. Dustin was convicted of Amanda's murder and he was sentenced to 60 years in prison. So he was convicted of, I think, first degree murder. Again, I can't find it. At his sentencing, when Dustin was asked if he wanted to make a comment, he said, quote, nope, I don't think this court deserves it. Okay. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, it's not nice. Like, rude. All of Mm -hmm. Dustin's family and Dustin himself claim that he is innocent. Now, interestingly, since Dustin was arrested... Police have also looked into his father, Elliot McGowan. So he's the mm-hmm. police officer in a nearby town. Neighbors, the same neighbors that said that they heard voices, reported that Elliot's patrol car had been parked at their house that same night, which would indicate that he was there when she was mm-hmm. murdered. Mm-hmm. Again, the bullet that was found in Amanda's body matched the type of gun that Elliot owned. And Elliot said, whenever they were like, we need your firearms, he couldn't find that gun. So police suspected. What was you going to ask? Well, I'm, I'm just curious about this. I don't know where the firearm is because I'm pretty sure that police officers have to have very good record keeping and control of all of their guns. Cause like my dad is a police officer and when he Mm -hmm. was getting rid of guns, he had to like legally sign it over to like my cousin who he gave them to. Mm-hmm. And like, it had to That's be, everyone, like, there was a path. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the fact that this police officer doesn't know where his gun is and he's not reported it at all is Well, he said he didn't suspect. realize it was missing until they asked for it. Okay. And so then, so they came to him and they were like, we need all your firearms. And then he was like, oh shoot, this one is missing. I don't know where it is. And it just so happened to be the same caliber as the bullet that was found in Amanda. So police suspected that it was Elliot's gun that had been used to kill Amanda and that he may have helped Dustin hide the gun after the murder because it was missing and possibly Mm -hmm. help him with Amanda's body. So Kind of like an accessory is what they were looking into him. Okay. After Dustin was arrested, an investigation was opened up into Elliot. 
but no evidence was ever found to like concretely charge him. And that investigation was discontinued in 2013. Okay. So again, never any proof that Elliot had anything to do with Amanda's murder or anything after the fact. But I just wanted to say this. He, and I don't I don't know that he did. I think it's very possible that Dustin stole his gun or took his gun without permission and shot Amanda and he had absolutely no, no idea of any of it. I think that that is definitely possible that that happened. But here's what he does. This is weird, okay? In January of 2012, so while Dustin was still awaiting trial, investigators received a phone call that Amanda's death was being looked into as being linked to a serial killer. Okay, so this guy calls the police mm -hmm. and he says he was investigating a serial killer and that Amanda was possibly one of the victims of the serial killer. So police are like, this is really off the wall. So they traced this phone call and it was made from Elliot's desk at the police department. What? That's weird, right? Yeah. Like that is what now it is possible if you're a parent and your son is being charged for murder because he had not been gone on trial at this point when this phone call was made mm -hmm. and you believe in their innocence that you will do crazy things to help your child. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it also makes him look really suspicious. Like, yeah. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that's suspicious. <laughs> so, little yeah. parts of rec for you. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I can't stay suspicious and not think about that scene. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Weird, right? Okay. So then in February of 2012, so this is a month after this phone call was made, Elliot announced that an anonymous donor had offered up a $10,000 reward for any leads to help find Amanda's real killer. So police traced this reward money and it was traced back to Elliot's mom. What? So essentially what the he world? was putting up reward money. Well, again, same thing. He may be just doing drastic things to help his son out. But it was but all of these suspicious things that led investigators to be like, maybe we should look into you, sir. Yeah, because he has to know, being a police officer, that all of these things can be traced back to him. And that it would look you would weird. think. Unless he's just not a very good police officer. Well, <laughs> I don't know. Right. But mm -hmm. again, no evidence was ever found linking him to anything. And so he is definitely not presumed as a guilty party. And we are not saying that. I am just saying what is in the news that I found interesting and okay. suspicious. <laughs> Amanda's family filed civil suits against the McGowan family. They sued Elliot McGowan for not properly securing firearms. So like okay. you said, you, you have to do that legally. Mm -hmm. Okay. So like I said, very little information in the details about this case, all of the court records, all of the transcripts are completely sealed and any videos of the trial that were on news stations or previously, you know, 
out there somewhere, they've all been removed. Or if you click on it, it will say this video requires permission to view. Hmm. So you cannot get any information on Dustin McGowan's trial at all. I have no idea why, no idea, but I'm assuming that it might have to do with pending lawsuits that there are going on against the McGowan family or against Dustin or pending investigations that might be going on related to Amanda's case. I have no idea. It was very strange. I really tried really hard. Like I said, I started like researching this case last year and I spent a good bit of time trying to find the stuff that I needed to find. And then I couldn't find it. And so then it frustrated me and I was like, I will find you, but I never could. And so what I can tell, nothing official has been done since 2013, but it is weird that you can't get anything. Mm-hmm. And that is the case of Amanda Bach, who was wow. 19 and had her whole life ahead of her and it was cut way too short. May she rest in peace. And we literally have no idea why. Or, I mean... Other than a jealous boyfriend, jealous ex-boyfriend, we have no idea. You're right. Right. And he, he, was he says he didn't do it. Right. He was convicted. Now, okay, so what's your opinion? Do you really think he did it? I mean, I think he's the most likely. What? There's no one else. He was with her. Right. For sure, we know. Because she was going there and he said she was with me. And then yeah. she winds up dead 300 yards from his house, shot with a gun that no one can find. Yeah. I mean, I think he most likely did it. Right. That we don't know for sure came from that gun, but it's likely. No, we don't. <laughs> you know, because it's, yeah. Well, it's possible and not likely. It's possible that it came from that gun. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We just but the neighbor could sure, have had a gun that was the same caliber too. That would be just as possible, but it's, it's very circumstantial. Yeah. To me, it's like, wow, he's convicted and sent to prison for 60 years. I, don't know. I mean, yes. I'm like, oh, well, really sure looks like you kind of case, <laughs> but not a, right. You proved without a reasonable doubt at all. <laughs> no, I, I don't know what I would have done had I been a jury because I can't get the court records. And so I don't know if there was other things that were presented as evidence that we don't know about that weren't reported on because I can't get the records because they're all sealed. Mm. That's so crazy to me that all that stuff is just like gone off the internet. Mm -hmm. It really is. You know, like, yeah, because I, I ran into that with mine. There was like talk about this. Um, my guy being on a podcast and like all of the links that say like, oh, here's a link to the original audio, but it's all gone. Everything's just gone. Mm -hmm. So anyway, it's very um, frustrating. So fascinating to me because I feel like, don't they say it's never gone? Yeah. <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> well, yes. But until anyway. legal entities get involved and then somehow. Yeah, that's true. Things things find their yeah. way of disappearing. But anyway, it's all very suspicious. That's true. Wow. I keep saying suspicious. It is very... <laughs> Word of the day. <laughs> yes. Well, it is. It's very, it is very suspicious. And dad seems suspect to me, as the kids would say. Sus. He's sus. Oh, man. man. Yeah. I don't know. Something. Something. I mean, yeah, I get being like a crazy parent trying to get your kid off but like i don't know 
I don't know. Well, we've talked about this before, I think, I that know. if our children were to do something like this and commit a murder or like a crime just in general, I would, I mean, I would let them be punished. I would not cover up for them. I would not, I would love them through their punishment, but I would be like, I am not helping you with this. Like, I'm not lying mm-hmm. for you. I'm not covering stuff up for you. It's on you, man. Yeah. Yeah, you did it. Mm-hmm. Do the crime. And I'm heartbroken and sad. And like I said, I'll love you through it, but I'm not going to help. Mm-hmm. Don't call me to bury yeah, a body. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> not, I, I am afraid of prison. Oh. <laughs> well, I'll never survive in prison. So. <laughs> we I talked about this before, too. I think crime. you would. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. Anyway, well, gosh, thanks for, I'm glad that you saved it and didn't just like poo poo it away. And cause it was, de- it's definitely an interesting case. It's just not, there's not enough out there for, mm-hmm. you know, not enough information for us to like go on, but yeah. thanks for bringing it to our attention. Tiffany too. Yes. Yes. Tiffany. And so. same to you on your case. Fabulously done. Um, you did well with what you had to work with and I'm glad, I'm glad we can mm-hmm. talk about these cases. So again, we appreciate y'all for sending stuff in. We can make it work. Sometimes it just takes patience. <laughs> we hope you're still listening mm-hmm. <laughs> after all that time. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So thank you yeah. guys so much also for listening. Do you have anything else you want to add? I don't think so. Okay. We will be back at you next week with a normal case where you will just hear from one of us. But we will keep this on our radar to do it again sometime if the opportunity arises come find us on social media come find us on patreon we have a lot of fun over there that's off our beaten normal path of cases we appreciate you we love you happy monday we'll see you next week and always remember the world is scary people suck hide in your closet